I've seen those films. I think he blows all of them out of the water. Just what you've been waiting for. Movies, TV, music, and more. Follow, subscribe, stay up to date. Episodes drop every other Monday. Welcome, everyone, to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. To join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, we're celebrating Black History Month with movies, television, and music honoring the contribution of the African American community to the arts. Now, last episode, I spoke about how Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount Global we're discussing a merger, but it appears businessman Byron Allen had something to say about that. He shocked the entertainment industry by putting in a $30 billion bid to buy Paramount Global. Yes, $30 billion with a B. His plans are to sell the Paramount Film Studio, its real estate, and some of its intellectual property, and keep the linear networks and streaming service Paramount+. Plus. While National Amusements, who controls Paramount Global, has been open to deals, they previously rejected a $3.5 billion offer for BET and VH1 and an $18.5 billion bid last year, both by Byron Allen. I've been familiar with him through his syndicated program, Entertainers with Byron Allen, but I didn't realize that he had this kind of dough. He was born in Detroit, Michigan, but moved out to Los Angeles after his parents divorced when he was seven. His interest in the entertainment industry started at a young age, when he would accompany his mother to NBC Studios, where she worked as a publicist. By the age of 14, he was doing stand-up comedy at clubs around LA, and was spotted by dynamite Jimmy Walker, who asked him to join his comedy writing team which included future talk show hosts Jay Leno and David Letterman. By the age of 18, he made his first appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, this led to him being cast as a series regular on reality program Real People. He would be the host of his own program, The Byron Allen Show, which ran from 1989 to 1992 in syndication. He established his own production company, CF Entertainment, in 1993, and produced low-budget programs which turned out to be popular with audiences. The linchpin was talk show Entertainers with Byron Allen. Through many savvy business moves, including revenue sharing, he began to build his empire, which extended to scripted programming, investments in film distribution companies, and the purchasing of the Weather Channel. Yeah, that one seems a bit odd, but he's the billionaire. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is skip it. Two stars watch at your own risk. Three stars standard fare four stars worth checking out, and five stars must see. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. 
I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. On this episode of the podcast, I'll be reviewing The Hurricane from 1999. It was directed by the recently departed Norman Jewison, who helmed Mystery in the Heat of the Night, Musical Fiddler on the Roof, Crime Thriller A Soldier's Story, and Rom-Com Moonstruck. In 1999, he received the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award at the 71st Academy Awards. The screenplay was co-written by Armion Bernstein, who scribed musical One from the Heart, and romantic comedy Windy City, and Dan Gordon, who wrote the thriller Passenger 57, Family Flick Surf Ninjas, and Western Wyatt It was based on the 1999 novel Lazarus and the Hurricane by Sam Chayton and Terry Swinton, and the 1974 novel The Sixteenth Round by Reuben Carter. It stars Denzel Washington as Reuben Hurricane Carter. After training at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, his first appearance on the big screen was in the canon-produced Carbon Copy. He would rise to prominence on the medical drama St. Elsewhere as Dr. Philip Chandler, which ran for six seasons, 137 episodes. In 1989, he was cast as runaway slave Trip in Glory, which would earn him an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. He would repeat the feat in 2002, winning an Oscar for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Training Day. He won a Tony Award in 2010 for Best Leading Actor in a Play for Fences. He was also awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2022. A renowned actor, best of his generation, has appeared in Malcolm X, Philadelphia, Courage Under Fire, Remember the Titans, Man on Fire, and The Equalizer franchise. The supporting cast includes Vesalius Rayon Shannon, Deborah Unger, Liev Shriver, John Hanna, Dan Hayetta, Clancy Brown, and Rod Steiger. This is something to look out for. Denzel Washington trained in boxing for over a year and lost 60 pounds to get in fighting shape. So let's jump into it. On December 20th, 1963, Reuben Hurricane Carter, a middleweight boxer, successfully defeats welterweight champion Emil Griffith via knockout in the first round. The win catapults him into the top five rankings, in contention for Joey Giardello's middleweight title. A few years later, in 1966, two men enter the Lafayette Grill and kill the bartender and two patrons. Others were seriously injured. While driving home from a club, Carter and friend John Artis are pulled over by police and a cavalcade of cop cars surround them. The police bring the men to a hospital where one of the victims, whose head wound blinded him in one eye, denies that Carter and Artis were the perpetrators. Enter Sergeant Della Pesca, lead detective of the case, who asks the victim to look again. He has a long history with Carter, who was once brought in as a child, accused of stabbing a man for his gold watch. He's got it out for the hurricane, and when Alfred Bellow is questioned by the police, he's coached by Pesca to accuse Carter and Artist of the crimes, leading to their arrest and eventual conviction. While in prison, Carter writes a manuscript and sells it to a publisher, which is released in 1974. In Toronto, Canada, at the 1981 annual book sale, Lesra Martin comes across the 16th round and purchases it for 25 cents. He heads home where he lives with Terry Swinton, Sam Chayton, and Lisa Peters, Canadian entrepreneurs and roommates who first met with him at a Brooklyn environmental lab. They were enamored by his personality and spirit and offered to take him in and take care of his education. Lesra vivaciously reads the book and relates to Carter's upbringing in an inner city and is appalled by the injustice of his arrest. 
the events inspire him to try and get the boxer's conviction overturned. Here's a quote without context. None of us does it alone. The Hurricane is a beautifully shot film. The subject matter was handled delicately. It's also a bit frustrating because it shows the institutional racism in our justice and legal systems that people continue to deny to this day. Denzel Washington gives a nuanced, powerful performance that should have earned him an Academy Award. He was up against Russell Crowe in The Insider, Richard Farnsworth in The Straight Story, Sean Penn in Sweet and Lowdown, and winner Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. I've seen those films, I think he blows all of them out of the water. Now, the pacing was a little curious in the beginning. It bounced between a couple of timelines before settling into a more traditional linear narrative. Now for a little trivial trivia. This would be the third film that Norman Jewison directed around the theme of racism, which includes In the Heat of the Night in 1967, and A Soldier's Story in 1984. He considers this one his best. The Hurricane was produced by Universal Pictures, Beacon Pictures, and Azoth Films. It was filmed in and around New Jersey and Toronto Film Studios in Canada. The cinematography was captured by Roger Deakins, whose filmography includes Fargo, No Country for Old Men, Skyfall, and won back-to-back Oscars for Best Achievement in Cinematography for Blade Runner 2049 and 1917. It was edited by Stephen E. Rifkin, who worked on My Cousin Vinny, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and received an Academy Award nomination for Best Achievement in Film Editing for Avatar. The score was composed by Christopher Young, who wrote the music for Hellraiser, Virtuosity, Copycat, and was nominated for two Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Music Composition for a Miniseries or Special in Last Flight Out and Norma Jean and Marilyn. The soundtrack featured songs by Bob Dylan, Marvin Gaye, Ray Charles, and Etta James. The runtime is 2 hours 26 minutes. It had a budget of $50 million and grossed $74 million at the box office. It was nominated for one Oscar at the 2000 Academy Awards for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Denzel Washington. On the Ski Index, I give it 4.5 out of 5 stars. If you've seen The Hurricane and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. Living Color is a talented music quartet that seamlessly blends elements of rock, funk, and hip-hop into a unique sound that has captivated audiences for over three decades. Formed in 1984 by Vernon Reed, The band had a revolving door of members, as their sound developed from jazz instrumentals to experimental funk. The lineup was stabilized in 1986, when it was comprised of singer Corey Glover, guitarist Vernon Reed, bassist Muzz Skillings, and drummer Will Calhoun. Their live shows were energetic and soon caught the eye of Mick Jagger, who came to one of their performances at CBGB's. He went on to produce two of their demos, which led to major label interest, eventually signing with Epic Records. They burst onto the scene with their debut album, Vivid. It reached number six on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and certified double platinum behind the hit single Cult of Personality, which peaked at number 13 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number nine on the Billboard Rock Tracks charts. It would win the Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Performance, 
The album featured contributions from Mick Jagger, Chuck D, and Flavor Flav. In 1990, they released Time's Up, which would reach number 13 on the Billboard 200 and would win another Grammy for their efforts. They would play at Lollapalooza a year later. Bassist Muzz Skillings would leave Living Color in 1992 to front and play guitar in his own band, Medicine Stick. He was replaced by Doug Wimbish, who was part of the house rhythm section for Sugar Hill Records, and played on songs for Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five and the Sugar Hill Gang. A year later, they would release Stain. It was generally a darker-toned album, which reflected how worn out the band was from touring and performing. They issued a Greatest Hits album and went inactive from 1995 to 2000, before re-emerging with their fourth album in 2003, entitled Kaleidoscope. They released two more albums, The Chair in the Doorway in 2009 and Shade in 2017. They've returned to the studio to record their seventh album and embarked on a tour with Extreme in 2023. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any better musicians. They are all-around experts at what they do. And Corey's voice sounds just as good today as it did when the band started. Normally, there's a decline in every band at some point, but these guys are still at the top of their game. Even if you're not into this type of music, you have to appreciate how good they are at their instruments. Their contributions to music cannot be overstated. They were part of a wave of black musicians in the 1980s, including Bad Brains, The Bus Boys, 24-7 Spies, and Fishbone, who took the mantle from Jimi Hendrix to prove that rock, heavy metal, and punk were not just for white audiences. A couple of fun facts. If you're wondering about the spelling of color, guitarist Vernon Reed was born in London, England, before moving to New York City. For wrestling fans, Cult of Personality has been the theme song for wrestler CM Punk. In 1985, Vernon Reed, music journalist Greg Tate, and manager Conda Mason co-founded the Black Rock Coalition, a nonprofit organization to support acceptance and exposure to black alternative music. So I've selected a couple of clips of Living Color's biggest hits. They're all available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Martin. It tells the story of Martin Payne, who works as a DJ at WZUP in Detroit, Michigan. He lives with girlfriend Gina Waters, who works at a PR firm. It was co-created by Martin Lawrence, Topper Carew, executive producer on Bustin' Loose and Homeroom, and John Bowman, writer on Saturday Night Live and in Living Color. It stars stand-up comedian Martin Lawrence in the lead role, Tisha Campbell as his girlfriend, Carl Anthony Payne II, and Thomas McHale Ford as his best friend, and his nemesis, Tashina Arnold. It also features John Gryers, Garrett Morris, Tracy Morgan, and Martin Lawrence in drag as Shanene Jenkins. When they were teenagers, Tisha Campbell and Tashina Arnold worked together as the Greek chorus in the Frank Oz-directed Little Shop of Horrors in 1986. While it was never a big ratings grabber, it was ideal for the youth demographic that Fox was aiming for within Living Color, Living Single, and The Simpsons. It's been a while since I've watched the show, but when I was younger, it was appointment viewing for me on Sunday nights. It can definitely be described as chaotic and funny. 
After the series ended, Martin Lawrence and Tashina Arnold worked together in Big Mama's house and played a married couple in 2007's Wild Hogs. In 2022, the cast came together for the BET Plus original special, Martin the Reunion. Two years later, they appeared at the 75th Emmy Awards to present supporting actor in a comedy series. Martin was on for five seasons, 132 episodes, from 1992 to 1997. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for all the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. And was nominated for two Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Music Composition for a Miniseries or Special in Last Flight Out and Norma Jean and Rain. Rain? The, the, the words aren't even there. It stars Denzel Washington as Reuben the Carter Hurricane. Let's try that again. Crime thriller, a toy story. A toy story. It tells the story of Martin Payne, who works as a DJ at WZU Up. Oh, come on. <laughs>